Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy podcast. I'm Shiloh. And I'm Gabriel. And this episode, we're going to be talking about player characters. Hey guys, welcome to episode 45. This one's going to be all about player characters. We're going to be talking about a lot here. Mm, We're going to talk about all the things you need to know about when you're making the character starting to play a character, and long-term goals that you want to have for your character. This isn't going to be specific to D&D. It's going to be something that you can take and apply to any role-playing game that you're going to be playing, or any other thing where you're going to be playing a character. Yeah, and this uh, is going to be great for new players, people who are creating player characters for the first time, and also for people who've been playing characters for a while now. Just not, like tips and tricks and other things to just really elevate your characters and really just make them awesome. Mm-hmm. You wanna plug the stuff? Yeah, so as always, we have our Instagram at d20 underscore academy. We also have the Discord where you can ask us questions and we notify you when we release our episodes there. If you want to get in on our Discord, you can just message us on Instagram or find it on our anchor page. Yeah, sounds good. Alright, without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Alright, so first we're going to talk about the basics. Like, what is the difference between a player character and, like, the game master? What is my character's role in the game? What should I be looking to do as a player character? What do I need to have in place? Do I need to have goals? What do I need? Just the the basics, you know? Right, yeah. So, in tabletop RPGs, as you're most likely aware, um, there are kind of two different ways you play the game. There is the group of player characters, and then there's the one game master, um, mm-hmm. called the dungeon master in D&D or other things in other games. Um, but the game master is the person who runs the game. They kind of uh, plan the story, and they create all the characters that the other people meet, and all the monsters that they fight, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I think it's kind of like funny, like the names that some role-playing games come up with like for their game masters you know some don't want to like just leave it as game master because oh that's basic and they can't take dungeon master because that's copyrighted right. so we found one one time that was called ghost master it's for ghostbusters role-playing game <laughs> and so now shiloh is uh from an example in the role-playing book Ghostmaster juan yes it's now uh shiloh's name in yeah, my phone in- so there's an old role-playing game. I say old. It came out in, like, the 90s. Um, uh, Ghostbusters RPG that we found. We didn't really look at it too deeply, so we don't really know the mechanics or anything. <laughs> um, it was very funny, though. But the GM is... is it's called the GM because it's Ghostmaster instead of Game Master. And then mm-hmm. at the beginning of the book, they have an example of play. And so they're like... So the, in the example, the person who's the Ghostmaster's name is Juan. And so it's like, Ghostmaster Juan says this. And then player character whatever says... James or whatever says this. So now he calls me Ghostmaster Juan. <laughs> so thanks. Um, and then I think in like um, Call of Cthulhu, they're called like the Keeper of Secrets or something. Mm. And then in another like teeny bopper game, they're called the Master of Ceremonies, like the MC. Um, so some people. <laughs> Wait, what's it, what is it called in Dusk City? The Judge or something? The, the Judge, yeah. Yeah. Um, but basically, the role of the Game Master is to yes. facilitate the players and facilitate the story of the game. Run it. Yes. And the you. players, obviously, play in it 
play characters, they make their choices and do actions. Right. So the difference is that they play a single character. They make mm-hmm. all the decisions and all the actions of that single character. So they are in complete control of that one character. The other people at the table are all also in control of one character of their own. And then the game master is, first of all, doesn't control any of their player uh, characters. That's important. <laughs> GMs, remember that. Um, <laughs> and also, they, um, so they control all the characters that the player characters meet. So any, any character in the game controlled by the GM is called an NPC, a non-player character. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, and you know, they, <laughs> they facilitate the story, the rules, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we, I think what's really cool about this podcast is that both of us have had lots of experience on both ends. So I have had a lot of experience as a GM and Gabe has a lot, have a lot of experience as a PC. Um, so I think yeah. that's cool. So I'm going to try and keep Shiloh's rants to a minimum here and let me actually talk for once in one of these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's start with that the role of the player characters now this is just gonna be like a basic thing here but it's important to keep in mind because a lot of people lose sight of this the role of a player character in a game where it's not just like just the game master and just one player character which is just the two of them making a story together the role of the player characters depends based on like the personality, and characters that your friends in the party are running. So, a role of the player character can be, like, sometimes... This isn't just, like, mechanical things. Like, it can be, like, oh, like, perhaps my role in the party is to be, like, a reasonable voice. Or perhaps, like, I'm the person who helps, like, keeps the story going on the player character side. Or perhaps I'm one who looks for interesting things to do in the story. You can, like, find interesting roles for your player character to fill outside of like mechanical roles like oh i'm the tank i'm the healer i'm the dps right i'm a flank or whatever you can have roles inside of your party and like in a meta way where you're like i keep the party together i keep the story going i provide reason or i provide intrigue whatever that you can have a unique role in facilitating the overall story and progress of the plot and of the campaign. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think a good way to look at it is, like, the player characters are the heroes. They're the main characters of the story. Um, so the campaign, the adventure, whatever you guys are doing, uh, follows them and their adventures and is impacted by their choices and their actions and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. while it was the game master is like the kind of like the narrator sometimes they kind of serve as the vessel for which the main characters you know they're all the stuff around the main characters um, so yeah and I think uh, going back on what Gabe was talking about epi- episode 37 of our podcast we talk about player types um, the different kinds of you know players not when it comes to like different kinds of characters mechanically like like you know a tank or a healer or a support or whatever but like the different kinds of personality types of players and how they view mm-hmm. tabletop rpgs whether they like to maximize their character or they love acting or they love storytelling or whatever it is so if you want to know more about that and how to kind of gauge the player types of, of the, the players the people in your party and all that kind of stuff go listen to episode 37 
All right. So, what do we need to create a character? To create a good player character. Like, what do you think is the first thing you think of? I'm trying to create like a new character here. Most yeah. important thing. Uh, I think a lot of people have to do, like different methods. I assume even me and Gabe have different methods when we go mm. about creating characters. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends for me. Sometimes I'm kind of inspired by something or I already have a, a concept. Um, like, I'm basing it off of like a book or movie or video game character that I've kind of been into recently. Or I want to explore a, a character arc or like a story dynamic um, that I've kind of been inspired by recently. Um, or I have like a look of a character. Or I have like a class or something, or like a, a rule or whatever that I want to play around with. Um, so, one of the characters I made was kind of based off of Geralt of Rivia, the Witcher. Um, another one, I've been playing like um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is about Greece, and so I've like really been into all that kind of stuff, so I made like a Greek hero kind of character recently. Um, so it's kind of depending on the, you know, kind of whatever I'm, I'm inspired by at that time. Um, or like, I really wanted to make a cleric one time, so I made a cleric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people follow along that route where they're like, they saw some piece of media recently, or they have this idea, like, from something that they've seen or whatever, and then they try and, like, build that exactly. And that's not, like, a bad way to do that. It's a very strong starting point to make a character, like, having that initial idea that you're, like, brought onto by a piece of media, good starting point. I think it's important to build off of, like, you know, perhaps, like, it's a stereotype, like, oh, I, like, recently, like, read a book about ancient Greek heroes, and I want to make that. It's a good starting point, but build off of it. Right. Yeah. And the way to do that, like, first and foremost, there's a lot of things that you can do to, like, build a character, make him interesting, perhaps, like, stray away from the cliche, or reinforce the cliche, or whatever. And there's things like creating strengths and weaknesses. This is a really good thing for creating player characters, and it can factor a lot into how you roleplay and in combat. So your strengths and yeah. weaknesses can be anything from, like, perhaps my strength is I am good with talking to, you know, people in higher authority. I feel like, you know, I've had practice with that. I know how to, you know, get on the good side of people who are in charge. And that's a good thing that can come into play like, in roleplay, you know, like, oh, perhaps, like, I'm the head of the group, who, like, like the, the mouth of the group. Or perhaps your strength is, I'm the person who is willing to do anything to save, like, my friends in combat. So perhaps that strength comes into play only in combat. Where, like, you're the person who will go back into the fight to save the one player character that was cut down behind enemy lines. So, strengths and weaknesses aren't just things that are bound to only, hmm, okay. Well, I'm not really good at talking... So maybe I'll be the person who has a strength and just physical strength or whatever. You have so much option. You have so many options for strengths that you can have for your character in roleplay, in combat, roleplaying in combat. And same thing goes for weaknesses. Like, what are some of your like favorite players or character like weaknesses? Uh, yeah, I, I like characters who have lots of flaws. Um... <laughs> Uh, just, just as like a like a storyteller and stuff, I, I really love uh, characters, especially protagonists and main characters who have flaws and stuff that they have to like overcome. Um, just weaknesses in general. Nobody likes a, a character. It's not a character's not interesting if they're like perfect and good at everything. 
Um, and that's true even for a tabletop role-playing game. Um, mm-hmm. It might be kind of fun for you or whatever, but probably not for everyone at the table if you create a perfect character. Um, and even if those weaknesses aren't like in mechanical aspects, um, but just like as a character. Um, so, you know, making someone who is super um, like brave, that's a strength, but the weakness could be like they're too brave and they're reckless and they'll run into anything. Um, another one is like they care about honor and like getting glory in battle, but that can mean that they do some stupid things because they just want to get glory in combat or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I played around with the player character that I played a while ago um, was his, his story was about fear. Um, he was actually a lycanthrope. Uh, he was cursed with lycanthropy and he was like kind of trying to fight back against that, that curse that he had. Um, but it, he was basically like the prince of this fallen kingdom and it was overrun by these werewolves and his story was kind of trying to go back and retake that kingdom because it was his birthright but he's actually like a coward and scared and that's like a weakness <laughs> and that's something yeah. that like I set up when I built the character so that he could later like overcome it. Mm-hmm. Building these strengths and weaknesses are important not just in the short term like okay how am I going to respond to this in roleplay, or how am I going to, what am I going to do in my turn in combat? It can also create long-term like goals for you and your GM to set up, like perhaps like overcoming that weakness to go back and help reclaim the kingdom. Something that comes into play like, later on the campaign, like an overarching like plot line mm-hmm. that stems just from like right as you're creating your character. That's really interesting. Right, yeah, and I would say, like, going back to your character, Raskar, who you played for a, lo- a-, a while, <laughs> a-, a long mm-hmm. while, um... A long while. Yeah, we ran a whole campaign, D&D campaign, from 1st to 20th level, and he played the same character. Basically, there was one point where you did play a different character for a little kind of side quest mm-hmm. story, but for the most part, you played this one character. Um, when you made him, his strength were, he's very, he was very charismatic... He was, he was yep. very charming. He was good at talking his way out of things. Also, he was a sorcerer, so he was really, like, powerful when it comes to, like, magic and stuff like that. Um, but I would say that, you know, if he was kind of weak, he was a little immoral. He was kind of selfish at first. And over the course of the campaign and the story and stuff, he became more selfless and more of, like, a leader. And he turned those those charismatic strengths that he had into, like, being a leader and being a light for people. Um, do you want to kind of talk on that? Yeah, that was a really fun thing that, like, it started out as, like, I didn't, like, necessarily have that long-term overarching goal. It's kind of something that yeah. happened, like, naturally as I started playing and realizing, like, what the character was and, like, perhaps, like, he didn't want to be that. Just, like, naturally as I was playing the character. Because I, like, originally I just came with the idea of, like, okay, I just want to be a really charismatic person, who's good at talking, has magic, that's cool. Perhaps, like, he's a little bit, like, you know, like, you know, perhaps a little bit selfish. Perhaps, like, he steals, he's a charlatan, whatever. And that was just, like, the strength and weakness that I had set up from the beginning. And then it just evolved naturally as I was going through the campaign, and, like, we came across, like, differing stakes. The stakes got higher and higher. The consequences got higher and higher. And I just feel like the character matured, like, naturally, like, as they yeah. would, like, experiencing those things where, like, the world is changing because of my actions so therefore i need to change Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. It was really cool. It's a very slow drip. Obviously, the campaign took place over two and a half years. So, it was, like, slowly progressing. But, yeah, it was kind of, like, natural. And one thing to think about if you're a GM listening to this or even if you're uh, just a player who's creating a character, um, when it comes to kind of this character arc thing, I think it's important to, when you build your character, to kind of have a concept of a character arc. To kind of have an idea of, okay, here's my character now, but here's, like, where they might be at the end of the story. Here's how they grow and overcome these things. Um... I, whenever I build character, it would, like if I'm running a game and we're starting a campaign and I, I build I build characters with my players, definitely for new players, I always encourage people to do create as much flaws as possible. Um, in D&D, on the character sheet, there's these three different boxes, ideals, bonds, flaws, and personality traits or something. Um, and so I was like, I want to see that flaws box overflowing. I want your character to have... I want you to keep thinking and thinking and thinking and create your character flaws. But that's... Because I think it's important, definitely like at first level in D&D or whatever game you're playing, if you have a leveling system or, you know, when your character starts off in experience, they should have a lot of flaws and things that they should, you know, they shouldn't be great and perfect and amazing. They should have mm-hmm. their strengths, of course, but they also need their, their flaws and the things that they're, they're not too good at, their weaknesses. And I think it's important to kind of plan those out and then also kind of have a, a bare bone concept of kind of where your character could go. And what kind of story yeah, the, arc they could have. The characters that I've made, like, after that first character of Rassikar, I've had, like, some sort of idea. Like, for our Star Wars campaign, I started off, didn't really know exactly, but by, like, the third session or so, I kind of had, like, an idea of how I wanted my character's, like, storyline to go. And, like, what I think, where I thought he'll end up. And we'll see if we get there or not, but I have, like, some sort of idea Right. Can, can Some you sort can, of like can you path. talk about it in more detail, kind of give so as an example? Yeah. So, my character in our Star Wars campaign, she started how long ago now? I think almost a year ago. I think almost a year ago. Goodness, time flies. Yeah. Uh, so, he is like a small, young, uh, smart uh, Syrian child. <laughs> He's like 14 or whatever. He's small, he's not very confident in himself other than his ability to, you know, do things with computers and information and things like that. He is easily pushed over, not very strong-willed, he doesn't take things seriously enough, uh, he doesn't realize how much trouble he gets into, and he doesn't really see, like, the stakes of, like, everything. He kind of just, like, wants, like, the easy way out. Uh, he's in, like... Actually, I don't want to spoil too much, in case John watches this. Uh, <laughs> but what's kind of like? But the, he's the in some post character arc and how he grows. Yeah, he's in some trouble here, and perhaps he doesn't like tell everyone everything that he should, and he likes to just like get away with as much as that he as much as he can. And his arc right now is that I have kind of in mind. Is that he's going to go from where he is still currently, where he's not being responsible and realizing the stakes of everything, into a midsection where like he just gets overwhelmed, where everything starts like crashing down, like all like his things that he's been running from and hiding like start coming out and coming into play, and like there's it's gonna be, like a r- real low point for him, and then like towards the end he's going to figure out like. The stakes of everything. 
the stakes of everything that he has been doing that and everything that he should have been doing, should have said, should have done, and just kind of, like, come to terms with all of that, whether it ends in, like, him, like, triumphing over it or just, like, perhaps, like, he just, like, gives in, like, just simply, like, okay, like, I, I see, I realize all what's happening, but I'm just gonna run for it, like, so I want, but perhaps it's, like, he starts and ends in the same place, but he has that, like, middle point where he, everything starts crashing down, and he's, like, considering, reconsidering everything. Yeah, um, by the way, it was September 21st last year when we started, Okay. So. Actually, okay. so we're, we're a little over half a year. I mean, yeah, a little over half a year. Um, also, I think something that kind of just came up naturally that wasn't, you know, that I don't think Gabe or anyone was really thinking about, but also Gabe's character was, is like an introvert techie kid who stayed inside all his childhood. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't really have any friends. And kind of over the course of the story so far, we're a little over 20 sessions in, um, him and the party are getting very close as friends. And V, uh, his character named V, is, like, seeing his, you know, getting friends and getting close to people and beginning to care for his friends and stuff. And so I think that was also kind of mm -hmm. a side effect that kind of happened, which is also yeah. really nice. Um, okay, so this is, a, this is a kind of a crazy thing. I know if you're listening to this, it might be a little daunting and, and kind of confusing. It's a, it's a little hard to articulate because it's not like you want to, like, force anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're just saying, like, oh, it just kind of, like, happens naturally. But, like, how does that, like, happen? Like, you know, it, it's, it is a little... <laughs> it is a little confusing and, and a little hard to do. Um, yeah, it kind of just depends on, on the GM and the player characters. And, you know, I think one thing is don't get too married to your character and, like, their character or whatever. Because you may discover yes. through playing that actually another kind of storyline or whatever can kind of impact them and change them in a really cool, interesting way. Um... Yeah, and I think not getting super, like, always, like, trying to push your character to do these things so, like, you hit all the points in, like, a character arc, you know what I mean? To, like, go yeah, from yeah. this place That's to this That's not place. exactly what role-playing games are for. Yeah. Like, it's nice to have those things and, like, have that overarching plot, but a role-playing game isn't to just follow along the plot that you've written in the head. Yeah. You know, things are going to happen that you don't expect, that you can't see coming, and you kind of have to improvise. It's, there are other people involved in it. Mm -hmm. If it was just you, then why don't you just write a book? Like, right. Yeah. That's kind of like the fun of role-playing games is because there are things that you can't control. Like, you're not the only one mm -hmm. making the story. Yeah, the story does not have to be as linear and perfectly plotted and everything as like, an, like a regular story, like a book or a movie or whatever. Because it's, it's just a game. And typical RPG yeah. format just works differently. <laughs> um, I would say, and Gabe... I don't know if you agree with this, but I would say, like, one thing that you can do, though, is, yeah, kind of always keep that in the back of your mind. It's kind of nice. But, like, anytime your character is presented with an important choice or decision to make, that you think about, kind of, what your character would do, where they are in regards to, like, their growth, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. For example, in our Star Wars campaign, a couple sessions in, things started going really bad and someone got knocked unconscious. Maybe even two of the player characters got knocked unconscious. And so the rest were like, we out. <laughs> and that was a decision yeah. that Gabe's character, well, you know, Gabe's controlling his character, you know, it, that was a choice that was proposed to V. Do you run and save your own skin? Or do you try to fight back and see if you can save your friends who have fallen? And 
Gabe des- decided that V would run away. Recently, yeah. in the he's like at that point, like he hadn't yeah. become like as connected as he has now. He like didn't have as much at stake there. He just wanted to preserve his own life. Yeah, like, that's what mattered to him at that point. And then recently in the story, the kind of a kind of similar decision was kind of proposed to him again, and he decided to stick with his friends and fight instead of run. And so that was a choice that Gabe made for his character because it kind of fit into how his character was growing and progressing through that time. Because another character had, you know, was like showing himself to be very true and honorable. And that kind of maybe inspired V or just fighting alongside his friends a lot and going through dangerous circumstances over and over again, just pulled them closer together and he, and he cared about them. And that just thing just kind of happens naturally in a tabletop RPG campaign your te- your your party's going on adventures and you're going mm-hmm. through trials and so naturally the characters are going to become closer and stuff um and so it just it kind of worked like that yeah it's really nice to see things like that like looking back and seeing the progression of your character mm-hmm. it's really nice and interesting to like look back and like oh i wonder if i could have imagined the, this character being in this place or like how my decisions have changed over time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, exactly. This might sound like all oh, like, way out there. Like, oh my goodness. Like, how many, how many steps do you have to think ahead? 10, 12? Yeah, yeah. But no, you just have to start like with a good, like, base understanding of what your strengths and weaknesses are. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's a good, like, doesn't have to be super detailed. You don't necessarily have to have seven pages talking about why you are good at bowling. I don't know, but like... Sure. <laughs> no, but you don't necessarily have to have it insanely thought out, 12 steps ahead. You just have to have a good understanding of what makes your character tick, what are strengths yeah. and weaknesses. Yeah. And, and also, like, yeah, what are, like, your stereotypes? Right. Like... What stereotypes do you follow and what stereotypes do you pull from? Are you, you know, the cowardly person who grows into a courageously strong leader? Are you the strong leader that grows to be more, like, caring and less gruff? Are you any number of things? There are a number of cliches and stereotypes for you to pull from. They can grab these character ideas and build off of. Right, exactly. Um... Well, I was going to say something super profound. Uh, no, uh, just when it Bars. comes to GMing, this is also something you want to keep in mind. Is the player characters and, like, the strength and weaknesses and stuff they've set up and their flaws and kind of their character growth and stuff. And, and by the way, you should kind of be t- probably be talking with the GM a little bit. Uh, if you feel like it, like, when you create your character, for sure, kind of be like, here, my stuff. Maybe even be like, here's kind of my proposed kind of character arc. Um, and then as a GM, that's a, that, that's a basis that you can spring off of to present situations, create certain storylines or whatever, to pull on that and to pressure that or whatever. You can work with the, the, the player characters, um, to, to kind of do that. And, and trust me, we are not perfect at this at all. You know, we're all still learning, um, in our group. And I think... You know, looking at the campaign we're playing now and the campaign we we finished uh, last year, 
I think we've come a really long way. <laughs> we have. Definitely when it comes to, like, our characters and how they're growing in the story and everything. But, I mean, if you look at, like, some, like, Critical Role, I mean, the character arcs and stuff that they do is just insane. Like, yeah. Sam Regal's Scanlan, his whole character journey is so good. <laughs> like, brilliant. <laughs> um, and that was a just a, you know, really good job done by both him and Matt Mer- Mercer, the GM. Um, yeah. We don't have I also to want to highlight this real quick. Yeah, go ahead. I'll highlight this real quick. That when you're a character and you're playing in the game with other people, you can also uh, keep in mind the other people in your party. Like, what are their strengths and weaknesses? Yes. And how can I, like, help them shine? Like, or how can I bring, like, their strength or perhaps call out their weakness? Like, yes. in character. Like, how can I highlight the other character using my own? Yes, for sure. 100%. It's a really important part to, like, collaborative storytelling is to be able yeah. to, like, see, like, how mm-hmm. you, you can incorporate the other characters, yeah. the players there, mm-hmm. and set them up for character moments. Yeah. It's something that you just that you just kind of grow in, but, like, you mm-hmm. know, one thing that's really important is that tabletop role-playing games are not, it's not, storytelling is not explicitly the job of the GM. One. Yeah. It's also not the job of you and the GM. It's the job of everybody at the table. So, you know, what, what Gabe is saying is right. It's like, first of all, it's not just that when we play a game that I should just be doing everything and presenting everything and you guys are just having fun along for the ride, not really, you know, doing Yeah, ro- just there to roll some dice and hit yeah. some goblins. Because, <laughs> you know, the GM can't really make your characters grow or anything <laughs> for you. And it's not just the job, <laughs> it's not just Gabe and me job, You know, it's not just for me and Gabe to, like, try to get a cool character arc for his character and all that kind of stuff. It's everybody. Everybody at the table can also kind of help push characters in that direction and collaborate in that sense so that everyone at the table is helping, you know, progress the story and helping all the characters grow and change. And it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another, like, important thing that you can, like, set out at the start, like, if, if you have an idea for it, that can come into play, like, all throughout the campaign, it's, like, to have an inspiration. Like, perhaps, like, you inspire to go and, like, free the people from the land that you came from. Or perhaps you inspire to just be an inspiration to people. You can have, like, these, like, goals that your character goals the character has that, like, perhaps they're just something that's, like, completely out there and you're not going to, like, necessarily pursue it immediately perhaps it's just gonna be something that's brewing in the background perhaps it's something that you are explicitly pursuing in the story but to have like a nice inspiration is a good character idea yes uh, that actually ties into one of the most important things in character creation which is motivation um it's yes. kind of a meme kind of a joke that like actors are like oh it's all like my motivation what's my motivation when i'm playing in a character you know in a show or whatever like what's my motivation mm-hmm. in every scene and it's kind of like a joke, but it is true also. Um, it's very important when you're playing a character, whether you're acting or you're, you know, running a character in a, in a cam- campaign, you are thinking about your character's motivation. Now, here's the thing. Motivation is kind of a tricky thing. Because for yeah. one, there you can do like a really obvious goal, a very obvious, attainable, explicit goal, like I want to save my family from the bad guy. I want to find the treasure hoard. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you can have, like, a very personal character, like, personal character goal. 
mm. like quest, I would say. That is a motivation, yes. Um, and, and I would say that is a little dangerous. Um, the thing about personal character goals is if you're going to do one of those, which is fine, that's cool, you have to make it important enough for your character, but not as important that your character would obviously just be doing that the whole time. Because the GM has all these adventures and stories that the part that they're planning for the party to go on. And so, if that makes sense, Gabe, you know what I'm talking about, right? You can't just be like, yeah, if, your, if, if your goal the is only to go, thing that your character yeah. cares about is their own personal goal, then it kind of like undermines the party, you know? Yes. If they only care about their own personal goal, then they aren't going to go along with the party. They aren't going to follow the, the plot hooks that the DM puts out, you know? Yeah. It's like, if you're it's like, important if you're to not like only care about your personal goal or right if you're like personal backstory quest is like my family was taken by this evil warlord or whatever your character would probably just be going for that and trying to go <laughs> with their family and it makes no sense for them to meet the other characters in the tavern and then get given like a quest that has nothing to do pertaining to that because that's what the dm planned and that's how they wanted to start the campaign or whatever yeah and for some reason your character does that and it feels weird because your character wants to obviously go free their family when it, but so you can't have that kind of personal quest order, but it has to be something, um, like for example, the character I made about wanting to like retake his kingdom. He's a coward, and it's not like there's a ton of time pressure on that either. So it works because he can go on these other adventures with the party and grow as a character and become stronger and become braver. And then when he's ready, or when the GM wants to tie it in, he can go back. And with his newfound friends and with his newfound bravery and strength, he can retake the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's like a personal quest, but it's not super pressing or super crazy that they would. That's obviously the thing that they would be doing right now, because you want to make sure yeah. that you can play along and go on the adventures the GM has planned. Also, you might want to keep in mind your character like motivations and like small things. This is going to come into play later. I'll talk about it more in role playing, but like perhaps like things like. How does my character, like, in social situations, like, what motivates them, like, to talk? Just, like, are they like, someone who's motivated to, like, get out there and go and explore? Are they motivated to just, like, you know, do their own thing? Just, like, think about like, how you can, like, incorporate larger and smaller motivations into your yeah. character. Like, yes, not yeah, just I, one yeah, overarching exactly. goal. Yeah, because you can have, like... You. Your character can have, like, a very, you know, personal quest, a physical personal quest or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But motivation, I feel like, I feel like that doesn't really count as a motivation. I think a motivation is more like, uh, the like, read the reason why. Um, yeah. Let's, like, a great question to ask yourself, a very important question when you create your character is, what do they want? <laughs> That's just a super important question. So if you're a character who has built in a little personal quest, it would be, you know, to retake my kingdom, my birthright. That's something they want. Or it could be to live forever. Or it could be to get rich and never have to, you know, scrounge uh, in the streets again. So that's like something they want. Okay, great. Why? And you keep and you then you go down the why. You just keep asking yeah. why, 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 why. And that's how you get down to your motivation. The character who mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wants to live for the rest of their life rich and wealthy because and they don't never want to scrounge in the streets again. Um, that's like a cool character and stuff, and maybe their character arc has to do with like greed or whatever. But like, okay, so that's what they want. Why do they want that? Oh, well, because they yeah. grew up on the street and they never had a chance at wealth or whatever. 
Okay, why did they grow up? Or you could have it where they never thought that they had enough, and they're going for it out of greed, or perhaps they're going for it because they think that they need that to like help someone else. There's so many things that can motivate right. that overarching goal. Yeah, so you just go down the why. You just go, okay, why? Oh, well, yeah. because of this. Okay, why? Well, because of this. And then you just you keep going down, and that's how you get that's how you get your character's motivation. And trust me, if you do this exercise with your character, you will understand them so much more. Yeah, I think that's a big part of building a character, is you ha come up with an idea, set up some like baselines, and you figure out why. Who is this character? Why are these they doing these things? So you're trying to figure out a person. Like you're trying to like meet someone for the first time, really. Yeah. Yeah, a great thing to do like when you're building a character is kind of do like a like mock interview. You can write like a mock interview as if you're asking them questions and they're answering. Um, so that you can kind of get to know your character that way. Okay, we do have to move on, but there is another thing I kind of want to talk about when it comes to creating your character, real quick, which is morality, ideals, code, like a personal code, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. What does your character believe? What do they fight for? What are their moral values? I think that's something yeah. that's really important. Mm-hmm. Those are also good things that can come into like your motivation there. Like yes, exactly. I must follow my moral code because I believe it's what's going to give me salvation, or perhaps it's it's going to give me satisfaction in life. You know, or I must follow it because it's the law and I must respect it. Yes. Um, and I know Just, alignment is kind of a touchy, controversial subject, but alignment kind of plays into this. Your mm -hmm. ideals and kind of your beliefs. Um, like, for example, if you take, like, your classic stereotypical paladin, they live, they've taken an oath. They live by this oath. Let's just say in a stereotypical paladin, they're like, protect the ones who can't protect themselves. You know, make people happy, do the right thing, follow the law, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. That's an interesting character because the story, and this is for you GMs, Having a character like that, now you present them with problems and stuff that test that yeah. and challenges that. I love GMing for characters who have very strong values and codes. Because then you get to put totally them in fun situations that. where it's yes. like a moral gray, gray area yes. and yes. you have to figure out things that might not necessarily be black and white. Yes, exactly. So take this stereotypical paladin and all of a sudden they're presented with this problem and they have to make a choice. Do they go and save the hundred innocents who are about to be killed? Or their family member who was taken captive? Mm -hmm. And so, like, it kind of challenges that. And, and you know, it's... I, I Serious, I love characters who have that kind of stuff. Because you can present them with all these challenges and, you know, m mess with their values and stuff. And just... And that's how the character grows. And that's how the character changes and matures. As, like, we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier. People grow through being challenged. Yes, so do exactly, characters. exactly. Um, and even on the other end, you know, a character who's like seemingly, apparently, like you know, I have no values. I'm greedy. I do whatever I want. I don't. I, I don't have to do the right thing. I don't have to follow the law. That character, at first glance, is like a little harder to present like moral challenges to, or something like that. But I mean, that's what that's what the characters, you know, arc can kind of be about. Are they just going to be super selfish and greedy? Challenge that greed. Mm -hmm. Make that greed hurt them. Or hurt their friendships or whatever. And so then that character can, can, can kind of grow in starting to build a foundation of values. 
mm-hmm. and moral codes. Okay. All right, moving on. <laughs> Backstories. Backstories can be very important or kind of important. Never going to be completely unimportant unless you're just like running a one shot. Backstories are kind of are always important to some extent because you have to figure out what came before the start of the story. What is the start of my own life? Where do I come from? Why do I believe the things that I do? Because of things in my history, things that have happened in the past. Who do I know from the past? Why am I here? How did I get to this point? Those are all things you need to answer in your backstory. Yeah, A backstory is basically just a sequence of events from your birth or from as long ago as your character can remember, all the way up to when the campaign starts. Um, yeah, it's just like a history yeah. of their life. Exactly. Basically. Biography. Um, <laughs> Autobiography. Yeah. Autobiography, right. Uh, and it's pretty important. <laughs> like like Gabe was saying, that kind of de- that defi- that helps define your character's worldview and, you know, what they believe or how they are. You know, if your character's like a rogue who's really good at, like, picking pockets and, like, picking locks and stuff, maybe it's because they grew up on the streets and they had to learn that to get food they had to steal money and break into people's houses or they were inducted into a super secret ninja academy kind of thing and they learned (laughs) those skills there or your stereotypical paladin perhaps like he is that way because he grew up in a very strict family with very strict like morals and worldview and he was like forced into this like oath or forced into following these codes and going through training and doing this, and it all led up to this moment where he, all these ideas have been, like, hammered in his head, like, and he's like, please him 100%, because that is what he has been told. Or perhaps there's, like, a character who has very strong views about something, but they have a lot of facts wrong because they were brainwashed into thinking that, or they just didn't know better from their past. Yeah. So there's there's two ways to go about backstory. One is you build your character, and then you build your backstory based on your character, or you kind of build it all together. You're kind of working on your backstory and your character at the same time, so they kind of impact each other. I've done both before. I've made a character, and then I'm kind of thinking about, okay, this character I made, what's kind of their history? Or I've been like, I'm kind of making their history and the character at the same time. Um, Or the third option, which is what I go, and it annoys you, is... (laughs) I kind of come up with an idea, I write about, like, two paragraphs, play three sessions, write another paragraph, and play for the next two years. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love my players building backstories before the campaign starts, after we build characters together, or before we build characters or whatever, that they write their backstories, Um, for a couple reasons, which I'll get into for a moment, but I have to understand not everyone is like that and not everyone works that way for example gabe it's very hard for him to build a backstory for a character he doesn't yet know because he he likes to play the game first as that character to understand him before he wants to build his backstory which is fine so i know and it is annoying to dms and gms out there and i'm sorry for that i'm sorry shiloh which is kind of like how I, I work with characters. Like yeah. I want to be able to like play the character, experience like playing with the party, and figure out more like who is this character. Mm-hmm. 
Right. But, by the way, back to the thing I was talking about. It, it, there's a couple things that are important about your backstory. One, it helps, like, define your character and stuff. But another one is that there's all these characters and stuff in your backstory. And all these moments and, and items or whatever in your backstory that the GM can pull on and in, include in the campaign. Because mm-hmm. um, unless, like, you lived in the middle of nowhere and never talked to anyone before... Right. There are going to be people in your history yeah. that you've like, yeah. had right. like relationships maybe your, yeah, with. Your, your, your family members, your mentors, um, maybe your love interest. Um, maybe a certain events happened that can come back later. Maybe you have an arch rival. Maybe you did something reprehensible, and then later in the campaign, the GM will bring that back to bite you in the butt. Um, and here's the thing. The more stuff you include in your backstory and the more detailed you make it, the more your GM will incorporate into the story. That's just the truth. Um, one of the people in our group... Uh, he wrote a character. He, he wrote his character's backstory for the campaign we're playing now, and I've pulled on a ton from that because he made it pretty detailed. And there's a lot of cool stuff in there, characters, and uh, other things that he put in there that I, I'm pulling from and putting into the campaign. And so his character is getting a little bit of a spotlight every once in a while because it's kind of focusing on his kind of story and his backstory. So there is a bit of a motivation to want to you know make a cool backstory and make it interesting and include all that kind of stuff in there. So that the GM can pull on that um, later on for your own thing. Uh, for ex- another mm-hmm. example is that our last campaign when you played Rassikar, our D&D campaign, one of Gabe's things was he didn't he had celestial blood. He was a half-celestial, but he didn't know who his celestial parent was. He grew up with mm-hmm. just an elf, elven mom, but he never knew who his dad was. Yeah, and so he we just... went to Judge Judy, and we actually figured it out later. <laughs> <laughs> and he just put that in his backstory, and he just kind of left that for me to later on pick up. And so later on in the campaign, I decided who his father was, who his celestial father was, and that became like a big plot line. And then that character, his father, stayed in the campaign all the way till the very end. Um, because yeah, good supportive Gabe, dad. Yeah, because, well, he was not a super supportive dad. But <laughs> uh, he ditched his parent, uh, his kid one. Um, but that's just, you know, because Gabe put that stuff in his backstory, I was like, this is cool. I want to pull on that and put it into the campaign. And so his character got some times to shine and got a little focus every once in a while um, because of because of his backstory, which is cool. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. Cool, okay. <laughs> Role-playing. Mm-hmm. Role-playing, uh, for us, comes into play a lot. might differ depending on your campaign, who you're playing with. But role-playing is where you get to show off who your character is, you know? You gotta figure out, like, alright, how do they respond to social situations? How do they think? How do they talk? How do they act? And there are a lot of ways you can go about role-playing, and a lot of it stems from things you're setting up when you're creating your character. Like, what are my ideals? What motivates me? What are my weaknesses? What... Like, stereotype my following, following, or what stereotype am I breaking? Yeah. All things you want to keep in, the, in your mind when you are role-playing. And a good way of doing that is, like, once you've, like, written out your backstory, and you, like, you know your history. And so, pr- a good way of thinking, like, I would do this, like, with my characters. I will just, like, in my own time, just randomly come up with random situations. You know, like, I'll, like, how would Rastikar respond in this conversation? Or in this situation. Just like hypotheticals that they might have come across, or perhaps they've already come across in their history. And then you can use those ideas in role-playing with the other characters. Like, oh, 
I think like in the past, like my character would have like, responded in this way. Perhaps he's going to respond in the same way now, or perhaps like something has happened in the story that caused me to change that. We also want to figure out like who my character is, and like what do they want to do? Like what do they want in every situation? Yeah. Like you, just, you want to understand them. You want to understand yeah. how they think and how they act and stuff, and you'll be able to play them right and convincingly. But it's hard. It's hard to play a character who's not yourself and to make choices and say things of a character that maybe you don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that's cool that I would inc- that we both encourage is in the first few sessions, it just experiment a little bit with your character. Yeah. Play around and see what what you like, see what you don't like, and just I think honestly you can do the longest backstory. You can go as detailed as you want on your personality and your bonds and your flaws and all that kind of crap. But it means nothing until you start playing as your character. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes you're going to realize, like, oh, perhaps my character isn't really that way. Yeah. That I that thought he was going to be. That's happened to yeah. me. Yeah. It happens character. all the time. It's okay. Yeah. It's something that's going to come across, like, it's going to come naturally. Like, as you're role-playing, you're just going to be like, naturally pulled in a, in a direction your character yeah so don't be afraid to kind of make some changes and stuff to your character in the first few sessions as you're just kind of getting used to them getting comfortable Mm -hmm. gms don't freak out let players maybe they're a little bit inconsistent or whatever in the beginning but that's just because they want to kind of figure out their characters um and stuff like that uh one thing that i like to say for gms and players alike anytime you're role-playing when your character says something actually say it as your character and don't say my character yes. says this mm-hmm. and if you want and i highly encourage this give your character a voice it doesn't have to be crazy it can just be a little bit different from yours but whether it's an accent or you change your pitch or your sentence structure or whatever it is giving them a unique voice is huge in making mm-hmm. you a better role player like it's insane it helps you in so many ways because it can it's like a sign, like, okay, I'm speaking as my character now. Yes. Which is a good sign for both, like, the other people that you're playing with and for yourself. It can be like, okay, like, for the other players, like, oh, he's speaking in character right now. This is what his character's saying. And for yourself, it's a good reminder, like, okay, I am not me speaking right now. Like, I'm playing a yeah. character. What do they say? Yeah. And a character's voice has so many things about them. If it's, like, low and gruff, like, that gives off a different vibe than someone who is that high and squeaky voice. Um... Mm. And if they have an accent, it can kind of help where they're from or make them a little more comedic or whatever. Um, but even GMs. Every time I do an NPC, I always do a different voice or whatever because I want the players to feel immersed and it helps me get into the headspace as that character. Um, and also, it can yeah. be confusing if there's multiple NPCs in a scene and so I can just switch between the voices and so <laughs> so it doesn't get too, 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 too confusing. It still does sometimes, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But voices it is really good to help differentiate. Yeah, I think voices are pretty important. And back on that thing, it's just better to also just say your character, uh, s- say what your character is saying instead of saying my character says this. Like, um, yeah. okay, my character tells them what he just heard. Literally in the game, as your character, tell the other players what your character heard in your character voice. Because then that sparks a conversation that can spark other players to start speaking in the character voices and like and have more of a natural thing. Than just like, let's go, let's move the story along. You know what I mean? It can add to your character and add to character moments and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, like in situations where you're trying to like convince someone of something, 
instead of just saying like okay can i just like roll persuasion or whatever the rule system is like actually like say something to try and persuade them yes and then roll yes so like how we always do it is that if someone wants to persuade someone and if they go like okay can i try a persuasion check i'm always like how do you persuade them before you roll make your roll like how do you actually persuade them or mm. how do you intimidate them or whatever and so then that it forces the players um to be creative and actually like think of stuff and speak in their character voice and you know do a thing instead of just being like i'm going to intimidate him okay roll an intimidation check okay good you intimidate him successfully like <laughs> okay, but how how do yeah. they intimidate them so as if you're a gm listening to this that's something you can do for sure for sure okay pardon. uh oh is there also i just want to tag one thing here at the end of voices like it's okay to experiment with your character's voice like take some time during the sessions as you're talking figure out what works for you what works for your character or your idea and also something that you can sustain like yes. don't do a voice that you can't consistently do yeah yes um no seriously if you're a little rough on an accent or whatever just don't do it please <laughs> for the sake of everyone at the table <laughs> um also this just happens and it's fine if this comes up i just wanted to mention this real quick a lot of the times if someone has a very clear character voice and accent some people will just unconsciously start to copy <laughs> it just happens yeah. <laughs> it's weird when I used to play with my little brothers when I first started getting into D&D, I had this character who spoke in a French accent, uh, an NPC. And then, so my little brothers, would their characters would just start speaking in a French accent all of a sudden. <laughs> just because they're un just unconsciously, they've been hearing it, so they start speaking it. It's just a thing that happens, mm -hmm. and it's funny, and just be forgiving. Um, <laughs> it's happened a lot in our campaigns, too. It's been funny. Yeah. Okay. The party. Because we're talking about player characters. Wait, plural. wait, we missed one thing. We missed one thing. Oh, what did we miss? Energy bouncing. Oh, right. So, the <laughs> I didn't know what to put in the podcast episode notes. But, basically, what I, what this is referencing is, um, in role-playing, just the energy of the conversation, bouncing between people, tension, and things like that. Um, so, like, when you're kind of nerding out real quick, but, like, if... As a storyteller, if you're writing a scene, like in a book or uh, a screenplay or whatever, you have to be very mindful of the energy bouncing, I guess is what I'm calling it. That's not probably a great term for it, but like in the scene, in a dialogue between characters and how the the conversation is being the passed around. energy is passed between like the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, and as an actor as well, this is very important. It's much easier when you're acting in a scene to be feeding off of another person's energy. If they're if they're all in their role and they're playing their, their character and they're like into the headspace, it helps you in your own acting a lot. Um, seriously, um, both of us are actors. We've both been in theater and stuff and I've been in like some film things and it helps so much when the person you're acting across from has lots of uh, energy. It just, the energy just increases in the whole scene. And the acting is just so much better when you have good scene partners. So, the same is in role-playing. Whether you're a GM or a player, you want to, you know, you want to keep your energy up. You want to keep the conversation bouncing and stuff. Because if everyone is kind of doing that, then everyone also starts to become better and become 
their energy also goes up and then the whole thing just gets better and it spirals and gets better and better. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's just a thing. And it's really nice when it works out. <laughs> All right. Now I can talk about the party. Yes. So there's a couple things to keep in mind. We've already talked about with you know, creating your character and you're having your motivation, backstory, and how you want to role play. And you're also going to want to think this is going to be something, going to be something that like is built throughout the campaign. Is like where do you fit like in the party? Like, yeah. Like how do you like? Are you like the energetic one? Are you like a person who gets them into trouble? Like how do you fit into the party? How do you interact with the other characters in the party? And like create like a balance between all yes. of them. I think um, something to note here is that like there's a difference between like mechanical balance and like your mechanic your place in the mechanical aspect of the party and like personality wise. Um, because like if you look at yeah. the Star Wars campaign, we have a big droid who's really good at breaking things. We have your character who's very good at techie things and, and mechanical things. We have the pilot. We have the bounty hunter. You know, we have, like, mechanical roles in combat or in exploration or whatever. They all have their own skills and, and roles and talents in, in that sense. But the, we also have one who's kind of naive. We have one who's kind of grizzled. We have one who's more fun and charming. Like, they're all also filling different roles personality-wise and stuff in the group. And that's just as important. Yeah. Uh, like, if you're, like, trying to figure out, like oh, what is my goal, like, personality-wise, look at, like, sitcoms. Mm. Sitcoms work when they have, like, interesting personalities, like, everyone yes. in the group, like, feeds together, and, like, they work to together. The characters, like, are different. They have their own, like, spots and roles in the sitcom, in the group, like, their own function. Yeah. In conversations and in actions. Yeah. So, like, if, take, like, The Office, yeah. you know? He's like, oh, like, this is a great example. Okay, like, you know, this character does this, this character does this, this character does this, and this is how they each are part of the puzzle. Yeah. And, like, you don't, like, if every character is the sarcastic one, then nobody's special. No, you yeah. know, you don't have any, like, variety or diversity or whatever. So, because, like, even in mechanical aspects, even if you maybe you have a very big party, you have a very good, big group. And so, like, there's not a lot of classes or whatever to choose from. So you have, like, a barbarian and a fighter, or you have, like, a wizard and a sorcerer, or whatever, who maybe are mm -hmm. both filling very similar roles, like, mechanical-wise or whatever. They can still be very different characters and fill different roles, you know, as, like, the supportive one or the charming one or whatever. Mm -hmm. They can still be very different characters. Yeah, and this is something that, like, is probably going to change throughout the campaign... And probably change a lot in the first couple of sessions as you're trying to, you know, meet the other characters in the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, also, the sitcom another thing... is a pretty good example. Sorry? The sitcom is, is a really good example. I've never thought of that before. But yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that's a really good uh, yeah, thing to look at. Also, when you are in the party, you know, you have these other characters... You have your own, like, idea of your character and what you want to do. And perhaps, like, you have this great grand goal that you want to pursue. You just want to make sure that you realize that you aren't the only character in the story. Mm. That the whole party, the party are the main characters. You aren't the only one 
who has goals, has things that they need to do, things that they want to do, moments that they want to have. You want to make sure that you're giving other people the time to shine. Mm-hmm. And if, and if, if you find doing... yourself, like, having, like, main character syndrome where, like, you're always at the head of every single decision, you're always the first one into combat, the first one to start talking, the first one to take this, and, like, perhaps, like, there's a reason, like, oh, just because I'm the charismatic one doesn't mean that I need to be always talking. I don't necessarily need to be the one that's talking all the time, or always communicating with these people. Perhaps I gave that moment to one of the other characters. Perhaps, like, they have an interesting thing to come to play because of their relationship is different from yours, or whatever. Just because you have a mechanical advantage doesn't mean that you need to always be doing that. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a little hard if the party's a little low energy or there's a lot of, like, shy people in the group or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you, you kind of, like, want to get the ball rolling. You want stuff to happen or you want to get stuff to happen. It's, it's just a balance you just kind of have to find for yourself. But what I was going to say was, as a GM, what Gabe was talking about, about, like, letting each kind of character kind of shine and have their own uniqueness and stuff, and, like, main character syndrome or whatever, as a GM, you also have to make sure you're not feeding into anything of that. You're giving each character an equal kind of spotlight and stuff, and no char- no certain character seems to be kind of becoming, like, the main, main character or, or anything like that. Yeah. All right. All right. I just want to, like, tag on a bit here at the end. So, we've talked about a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of things to go through. You want to just, like, make sure that you pick the important things to your character. Start with, like, an idea. Work off of that. Build some strengths, weaknesses, motivations. A backstory that leads them up to the point of the start of the campaign. Just get some, like, base roadwork down. And that's the most important part. As long as you have some base ideas of who your character is, why they're there... What motivates them? You can build the rest as time goes. Yeah, that's good. Alright, that's the end of the episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. It's fun talking about all these things, going to playing characters. There's a lot of things to keep in mind, I know. And there's a lot we talked about. Uh, I hope you guys got something from this, whether you're just new to role-playing games or you've been playing them for years hope that there's something in there for everyone uh before we leave why don't you just plug our instagram again at d20 underscore academy our discord is also available uh you can find us by messing messaging us on instagram any questions that you have comments concerns call us at 1-800 uh 420 424 uh yeah no <laughs> It is 420 when we're recording this, by the way. Sure, sure, sure. April 20th, uh, baby. Yeah, if you have any questions about D&D, Pathfinder, role-playing, role-playing games, uh, anything that you want to talk about, storytelling, yeah, exactly. Uh, just message us, uh, leave a question in Discord, leave us a DM on Instagram, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Yeah. Hey. Guess what? Next episode is World, world Building, building Culture baby. Part 2. Wow, it's part been two so our, long. Our culture series. We haven't done World Building in what feels like a really long time, because it has been a it's long like time. years. Um, I'm super excited to get back into World Building. That's some of my, some of my favorite episodes, because um, we just like ramble forever, and it's great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what you guys can look forward to next week. Um, thank you for listening. Please stay safe, stay inside, 
Um, but yeah, go go out and play some games. Go build some awesome player characters. Mm-hmm. You'll and, find me playing Valorant 24-7. <laughs> or play Valorant with Gabe. And, of course, <laughs> don't play a mystic. Okay, thank you so much for listening. <sighs>